Somewhere there is a photo of Kelly warming up to lead worship on a very, very cold December morning, probably what, 2014, 2015, when Annabelle was probably smaller than MJ was, as Kelly held her up there right now, and, and Annabelle was, was leading, leading with her mama in song as she warmed, warmed up. And I just had a little flashback to that right there, and I felt compelled to share it with you. Uh, because MJ is about the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, though, though young Mr. Peck certainly knows how to ring the bell like you should ring it when Jesus is born, doesn't he? He knows what he's doing. So praise the Lord for that. And I hope you've enjoyed our music this morning. I've been blessed by it. I hope you have. And I hope whether you're, you're pondering the words of the songs in your mind, because maybe you're going, you know, I can't remember this song and the projector's out and I don't know. Uh, or maybe you're singing along. Uh, I hope you've been giving glory to God in your heart. I hope you've been giving glory to God in your heart. We will worship Him despite uh, projectors being goofy on us, won't we? So thank you to our tech people for all you do. So Advent is a time where we take one of the most, if not the most unique things in our faith, and we, we put it out there for the world to see. You know, we celebrate it. Uh, one of my driving passions as a preacher and teacher of the Bible, of God's Word, is to help people see just how unusual our faith is and how unique it is among all the different religions and all the different spiritual claims that are, that are you know, they're, they're across the world and throughout history. And, you know, we have this kind of tendency, or at least our culture does, to, to try to flatten all the differences out, um, where it's all just about, you know, being nice to people. And it's, it's one of my passions to, to expose what the Scripture tells us that, that says, no, it's, it's obviously much more than that. So at Advent, we celebrate something truly remarkable. Uh, something a few other faiths would even call this uh, blasphemous. That eternal God humbled himself to become a man. And the thing that really sticks in the craw of folks who are already mad at the Bible for saying this is that every piece of the story is first told to and then often retold by people often deemed unworthy to hear and unworthy to participate, isn't it? This, of course, if you're a reader of the Bible, this is no surprise to you because God's been doing this uh, since the days of the Old Testament. When God chose or chooses to bless one family, He didn't go to the folks uh, with a gaggle of kids who have everything figured out. That wouldn't, by the way, uh, be the Pritchetts because we've only got half of that figured out. We've got the gaggle of kids, but we do not have anything else figured out. Um, you know, Instead, what the Lord does is He goes to a 100-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife. And he tells them, uh, you know, you've never had kids, but it's time to have a baby. And then he doesn't choose to work through Esau, the big burly hunter. Instead, he picks Jacob, who's a bit of a mama's boy. And then later, when the Lord appoints a prophet to lead his people, he goes to the youngest of a family of slaves. He chooses Moses, who, as it turns out, can't speak really well in front of people. I take encouragement from that. And then when God gives the people a king at their own request slash demand, depending on how you want to put it, he first chooses the big, tall, handsome fella in Saul. Saul, a head taller than everybody else in all of Israel. But he does that really only to prove the point that this guy is no leader at all. Especially when the people are threatened by the biggest Philistine they've ever seen in their lives. So who's appointed to step in by the Lord? David, the shepherd, who's a harp player 
He's a harp player and a songwriter, a poet, youngest in his family. And we can go on. Jesus even makes comment about this in the Gospels, doesn't he? He says, who did the Lord send the prophet Elijah to? Only a widow in the land of Sidon, outside of Israel. And again, Jesus says, who did the Lord send the prophet Elisha to? Well, he went to Naaman to heal him from his leprosy. Naaman, who was an enemy of Israel, a Syrian warrior. The Lord does not play by our rules, does He? And if we have expectations, and you and I do, we have expectations, the Lord is sure to thwart them. So take a look then at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. You'll find our passage, Luke 1. We'll start in verse 39. It's on page 804 of the Pew Bible. We don't have it up on the screen this morning again. Uh, 804, right at the top, right-hand corner, column A, as my English teacher would have said. And what you're going to see here is we're going to see two ladies, their cousins to be exact, and both are pregnant. But this isn't a baby shower. It's not a good old normal thing to be happening. No, because one, Elizabeth, she's, Luke says, advanced in years because Luke is too much of a gentleman to call a lady old. (laughs) She's never had a baby either. Might, Might remind you of another story in the Bible, or a few. And the other, of course, is Mary, not yet married, also a virgin. She should not be pregnant. And we don't mean that in the the sense of you shouldn't be, but like doctors, scientists would say she shouldn't be pregnant, but here we are. So I'll pick up reading in verse 39, and I'll read down till verse 56. So this is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Pause real quick. This is almost a little bit of a sitcom moment because Elizabeth's husband, a priest, when it had been told to him by the angel that Elizabeth would have a baby, he says, are you sure? And was struck dumb, as in he could not speak until the baby was born. So there's a little bit of a, unlike my husband, the priest who wouldn't believe there. So the Holy Spirit certainly has a sense of humor in the way he tells his story. So picking up then in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, 
and return to her home. Now, there's so much there, and I'm only going to call out a couple of things. You were promised a shorter sermon, so whether that's your delight or whether that's your extreme regret, that's what it's going to be. Uh, but as I, as I go through these couple of things, I do want you to be thinking of a few things, and I want you to commit to something in your heart. I want you to toss out how commonplace Christmas has become, the season, the whole thing. I want you to toss out, not Christmas, don't, don't mishear me, but toss out how commonplace it's become. And I'm not asking you to do anything new because it was 1965 when Charlie Brown lamented that Christmas had become too commercialized and he didn't know what it was all about. And on top of that, as you hear songs, maybe on the radio, maybe out in public, perhaps you're talking with a friend, an acquaintance, maybe a coworker, or, or a stranger, maybe it's a stranger you're just chatting with, take a bold step and remind them how remarkable it is that God came to earth to save sinners like us. Introduce Jesus to the conversation. Feel free to invite them to our regular Sunday morning service. Or invite them to join us on the evening of Christmas Eve. Our culture has kind of shifted a little bit. Easter used to be the really easy day to invite people to church. I remember the, the fellow that used to sit next to my family in church growing up, Mr. Hickson. He, uh, he, he didn't come to church on Easter because he wanted to leave that spot open for someone else. But that's actually shifted a little bit. Christmas Eve is actually the time when people are more prone to come. So invite them to Christmas Eve, morning or evening. And, you know, it, when you introduce Jesus into a conversation where somebody was trying to talk about their kids or their grandkids, are you going to come off a little weird? Yes. Yes, you are. I'm a pastor, and if I introduce Jesus to a conversation, people are like, hey, buddy, why don't you leave work at work? Right? But you guys do let me do, you know, you let me preach here. You let me be the pastor here. So you're going to have to own the being a little weird thing at some point. So just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and introduce Jesus to that conversation. So the first thing I want you to think about from the text, the first thing that I want you to introduce into conversations with people is look at what Elizabeth said to Mary in verses 42 through 45 again. What did she say? The mother of who? The Lord. The mother of the Lord. And this is a huge deal. And it's not because of Mary, but Elizabeth is recognizing exactly what's going on here. She's recognizing that the greatest miracle that the world had ever seen was taking place. God had become a man, a little baby boy in Mary's belly. And again, the focus isn't really on Mary other than her faith to believe what she was told, which is contrasted with Zechariah like we talked about earlier. But the Old Testament had been telling them this all along. And so many people did and would miss it. God become man. We call this... If you want to know the $10 word for this, we call this the incarnation, God in flesh. God Almighty, who spoke the cosmos itself into existence, is now entering into creation by means of this peasant woman who does not get taken off to celebrate with the elite of her day. No, she's sent to her cousin, probably also a peasant. These two ladies of likely very little means, just they get to have this moment to themselves to rejoice over their sons. Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist, Mary pregnant with Jesus, and what God would do in their lives and what God would do because of this baby that Mary was carrying. Because God does not abide by our expectations or play by our rules. He sets the expectations. 
He makes the rules. So then what does Mary say? What are the words out of her mouth? You'll see the first part of her thought in there, verses uh, 46 through 50. Uh, First, she rejoices that the Lord would choose her to be the earthly mother of the Son of God. We know in eternity past he had no mother, but being born as a child, he would. He has done great things for her, but not anything with regard to her social status or her economic status. She's still poor. Uh, The one story that we have of Mary and Joseph, it's actually also in the book of Luke, you know, giving an offering at the temple as they were supposed to, shows them giving the poor folk sacrifice. They give the poor folk sacrifice. But God has brought her into His plan to accomplish this eternally significant work. She gets to have this small role in it, and so she rejoices. Why will she be called blessed? Not because of anything special about her, just like the rest of us. The Bible, you know, it reveals very little about Mary. But because she's the mother of Christ Jesus, she's blessed. She would be the one to welcome the Lord God Almighty Himself into this world and to hold Him in her arms. But speaking of arms, speaking of arms, what else? What other little thing might we pull out this morning to ponder over to do as Mary would do and treasure in our hearts? You can look at verses 51 through 55. God has used His arms to scatter the proud and bring down the mighty. She's speaking of what's happening with the coming of Christ, but she speaks of it as if it's past because it's as good as done, isn't it? What the Lord says will be is as good as done. It's going to happen. You might think of Daniel 2 with Nebuchadnezzar's dream with a rock that was not cut out by human hands coming and smashing the statue that, you know, that represented the empires of the earth. That might come to mind. And remembering God's promise to Abraham that from all nations he would be blessed, God is now upending the man-made way of things on earth. The ones who exalt themselves, Mary says, God is going to throw down. They will come off those thrones. Jesus would teach much the same thing, wouldn't he? So what of it? Why share that from the scriptures this morning? Why hear, why these words, why these things? It's because in the midst of all of this, we always need to check ourselves to reorient ourselves to the words of Scripture, don't we? I need to, you need to. Where the Scriptures speak, the Lord speaks. Did Mary and Elizabeth speak here? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit speak here? Yes. He also did. And what they just said is often undersold this time of year, if we're honest. And I'm not coming at your Christmas traditions We all want to see family, friends. We want to celebrate these things together. We all miss people that we can't be around. We miss people that should be worshiping with us this morning who are not able to be here this morning, don't we? But what I am doing is this. What I am doing is this one thing. I'm exhorting you to speak of Christ this season. Speak of Christ. And that's more than saying Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. But see, we we human beings, we're good at hearing what we want to hear, and that includes the people that you speak to. It includes us ourselves. We're good at taking this news of the Son of God coming into this world as a baby, 
and watering it down to make it a sweet story about a precious baby and a sweet parents, and they just could not find a place to stay that night in Bethlehem. And that certainly happened. We can make the original Christmas story into the original Christmas movie where you've got these sweet poor people and things should go well and then they don't and then it just, it, just when it looks like everything's going to fall apart, it all comes together in the end and everybody is happy and the baby is born and everybody's okay. But that's not what Mary and Elizabeth said right here, was it? It's not what the Holy Spirit's got for us, is it? No, they said that, that God Himself was here and that Mary was blessed just to be near Him. The baby in Elizabeth's womb so excited that he leaped at the sound of Mary's voice. She's blessed to play a role in this great story of ancient promises now fulfilled. And Mary had said that God would upend things, throwing down the arrogant and exalting the humble. So the exhortation, as we wrap up, as we sing again, the exhortation is this. Would you be willing to ask those around you? Would you be willing to do this? Ask those around you if they have considered how Jesus' own mama thought about the advent of the Son of God. Would you be willing to ask those around you if they've considered how Jesus' own mother, how the lady he would call mama and mommy, thought about the advent of God's Son into the world? Would you be willing to say to a friend or a neighbor, someone you know, you know, this Christmas, you know, I love the decorations, I love the songs, I love the lights, I love the joy on a child's face when they open that present. I like getting presents, right? None of, I don't think any of us hate getting presents, right? Love that. Love this time of year. Love the, love the Christmas cookies and the traditional dishes. And your family has, probably has a tradition that might be a little unique, a movie that's not a Christmas movie that you all get together and watch it anyway, right? But this Christmas, I'm really thinking about how Jesus coming into the world makes me want to be close to God and walk in humility before Him. Would you be willing to say, this Christmas, I'm thinking about, I'm pondering over, I'm meditating on how Jesus coming into the world makes me want to be close to God and walk in humility before Him. I hope you will. I hope you'll do that. Church, this is my first Christmas season with you. It's my family's first Christmas season here. And I look forward to continuing to enjoy all of the firsts with you that we get to experience. Learning how y'all do it, we would say. But as we sing this next song, don't just sing along because you've known it. I remember learning our next song. I remember learning it in Miss McDowell's music class in kindergarten. Still elementary school, because Dow Elementary was not yet completed with construction yet, and we weren't able to move in there yet. Don't just sing it because you know it, but sing it and take the imperative for yourself. Go tell it. Go tell it. Say something. Sing this as, as an order you're giving yourself. Go tell someone who needs to hear it. Go them, tell them why it is, how good it is that Jesus Christ is born. Let me pray. Father God, we... We thank you for fulfilling your promises. We thank you for who Christ is. We thank you for sending your son. 
We thank you that our confidence is in him and not in ourselves, not in the proud, not in the ones sitting on thrones, but in the one who will sit on the throne, the one who went to the cross for us and did not stay dead. We give you thanks for all of these things. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Glory be to God.